0: We're going to be talking about uh, destiny. Are you destined? What are you destined for? I'll tell you, you're destined for a purpose. And we're going to look tonight at the life of Samson. Samson who lived over 3,000 years ago. And he was born and he was destined for greatness. Samson's parents lived in Zohor and were the family of the Danites. He was a miracle child for his mother was barren. And an angel of the Lord appeared to his mother to announce his very conception and that she would bear a son. That's pretty good stuff when an angel comes to announce to your mom that, hey, your mom's going to conceive and she's going to bear a son and you are destined for greatness. Well, he was born during a time, it was the time of the judges when Israel did not have a king. And so this was a period of about 300 to 350 years from about 1380 to about 1050 B.C. So this occurred just before the monarchy, when, of course, King Saul came forth. As a matter of fact, Samuel, who also stood in the office of a prophet, was the last of the judges. And he was the one who anointed Samuel to be king, and also later on anointed David to be king. So Samson was the 13th of the 16 judges who ruled over Israel, during a time when everybody did what was right in their own They began to serve foreign gods. They began to worship them. And the Lord gave them over and delivered them into the hands of the enemy. And so we could see a pattern that developed during this period of time. We see a cycle. It was hypocrisy, oppression, repentance, and then deliverance. And so in this reoccurring cycle in Israel's early history... They began to do evil on the side of the Lord, again, by abandoning their faith, worshipping false gods, disobeying God, and so that was apostasy. Then, of course, when they got into that place, they would begin to cry out to the Lord because it was a place of what? Oppression. You know, you can be lured into some things thinking it looks really good and then you get there and you find yourself in a place of of oppression. And that's where he, they found themselves. And so they would cry out to the Lord and the Lord, Oh, I tell you, he is so good. He would hear their cry. He would hear their cry of repentance and he would send forth deliverance. What he would do actually is he would raise up and anoint judges to bring about deliverance to the people. These were usually military or civil leaders whom he empowered. God empowered them to judge and to stand in that place, resulting in Israel's deliverance. And so again, we saw the cycle. It just continued to repeat itself. See, they didn't have the Spirit of God living in them. So they didn't have the empowerment of the Spirit to help them. So they continued to repeat the same cycle. Now people today can repeat that same cycle if they don't make a demand on the power of God that resides on the inside of them. If they don't take time to receive impartation from the Word of God, the Word that is the instrument that changes who we are, that helps us to grow in him, that teaches us and reveals unto us truth so that we don't walk in deception. Amen? Amen. And so Samson was classified as one of the six major judges who brought deliverance to Israel. Samson was a Nazarite. And in the Hebrew Bible, the Nazarites are ones who referred to as they voluntarily took a vow. And the vow, um, actually, the the meaning of it meant to be consecrated or to be separated. So they were to be uh, apart from the rest of the world. And in this vow, the vow was required uh, each of the Nazarites to do these four things. First of all, they had to separate to the Lord. Secondly, they had to abstain from wine, vinegar, grapes, raisins, or any intoxicating liquor. I mean, they could not even drink a substance that had a trace of grapes in it. They also had to refrain from cutting their hair. They had to let their locks grow long. And fourthly, they were not to touch anything dead. Not a corpse, not a grave, not even of those who were family members. And so they took this vow and following the requirements that came after that, after a designated period of time, and that was based on what the individual's specific vow was, he would provide a sacrifice. There were three sacrifices. So first of all, the first one was um, uh, offering a, a lamb as a burnt offering, then a sheep as a sin offering, and then a lamb as a peace offering. So this was required when one came of age. So he absolutely knew that he had taken this vow unto God and that he was to be consecrated and separated and set apart because he was destined for greatness. Everybody say, he was destined for greatness. See, although Samson took this vow of a Nazarene, we do not have any record of Samson doing one spiritual thing. You can take a vow with your mouth, but if it's not in your heart, it's going to show up in your walk. It's not just enough to say, I believe Jesus is Lord. You've got to receive Him as your Lord. You receive Him first and foremost as your Savior. And then you make Him the Lord of your life. And when you do that, and you do it with your whole heart, guess what? It's going to show up in your walk. It's going to show up in your talk. It's going to show up in everything that you set your hands to. You know, looking at Samson again, we do not even have one record of him liking or loving one single good person. Can you imagine? He was a Nazarite. He knew God, but there was no fruit in his life. His decisions, his choices were choices of the flesh and of the soul. And so we must take heed about that. Amen? God God has called each and every one of us for a purpose. And he will not violate our freedom of choice. We can choose his purpose. We can choose his will and his plan and his way. Oh, we cannot. But I'll tell you, it takes effort. It takes a step of faith to choose the plan of God. Because God's plan upon your life is going to be greater than what your hand can do. And so you have to stretch. And you have to contend. And you have to believe God. And you have to step out. I mean, you have to do it as Joyce Meyer says, do it afraid. (laughs) Glory to God. Because there is a cause. There is a purpose. You're purposed. For a destiny of greatness. Whatever you're called to do, that's what you're gonna be accountable to. Nothing more and nothing less. Isn't that good news? Because it fits you! It fits me! And God, with His help, will help us to accomplish it. Your choices and your decisions, they don't only affect you, they affect those who are a part of your destiny. Amen? Praise God. Ingrid, you've got such a destiny on you. Praise the Lord. And it's not just going to affect your life. It's going to affect those that are a part of that destiny. You're destined for greatness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We've got to choose life, family. We've got to choose life. For ourselves and our seed. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. You know this. It's familiar to to you. It says, This day I call heaven and earth and witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life. He's telling us what to do. He sets it before us and then he encourages us to choose it. Choose it. Why? So that you can live. You and your seed I think it's in the new uh, Living it says You and your children That brings it even a little bit Closer to home So you're choosing life there Now one thing we can see In the scriptures about Samson's life Is he did not surround Himself With friends Or with people That could speak into his life to support him, to encourage him. Because remember, when you're doing something for God, that's a great destiny. It's going to be bigger than your hand. You're going to need encouragers. You're going to need people who believe in you, who will come alongside and join their faith with your faith. Glory to God. Amen. He didn't have anyone like that in his life. He was a loner. God says it's not good for a man to be alone. Amen. I mean, you think about Moses. Moses had 70 leaders under him, 70 elders. David. David had Jonathan by his side, his covenant friend. Even Jesus had 12 disciples in partnership with him in ministry as his friends. Amen? The word says, again, it's not good to be alone. And so we need to take heed about that. There is safety in a multitude of counsel there is safety and you've got to have covenant friends you've got to have pastors you've got to have people that believe in you again that you can go to that you can be accountable to that will hold you to a standard that when you're discouraged will breathe the breath of life back into you and say you can do all things through Christ who will strengthen you. He'll empower you. You can do it. You're going to make it. Hang in there. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't faint. You'll reap if you want. If you faint not. Glory to God. And so, we see again that Samson had an anointing upon his life. And when the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him... He was given this supernatural power and strength. He became the strongest man that ever lived because of the anointing and empowerment that was upon him by the Spirit of the Lord. You need God's Spirit on you to empower you, to strengthen you to do I mean, his name is still this day, associated with strength. We can think, we can think about even some of the advertisements, Samsonite luggage, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to pick up our story here, and we're going to look at Judges chapter 14. And as we have you turn there, remember that this time at Samson's birth, the Philistines, they, had, they were actually ruling over uh, five capital cities. And they had dominion over Israel. And Samson was the judge of Israel actually for 20 years. He lived for 40 years. But for 20 of the years that he lived, he was the judge over Israel. And so, verse 1, it says, Now Samson went down to Tamah, about 5 miles from his birthplace. His whole life was actually lived down about 30-mile radius from the place that he was born in. And he saw a woman in Tamah and the daughters of the Philistines. And so he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Tammah, and the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get, me for her, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said unto him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren, or among all my people, that you must go get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to her, His father, get her for me. Why? Because she pleases me well. Samson knew he was marrying a pagan woman and it was against the law of God. He knew it. But he was not allowing his spirit to rise up, he was allowing his flesh. We can see it in that one sentence She pleases me. He went outside the boundaries of God's provision, seeking provision for his flesh. So take note, church. Our choices and decisions should not please us, but they should please God. How do you know if it pleases God? Does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line up with what God says? If it does, it pleases Him. If it requires faith... It pleases him, because faith pleases God. And you know what? There's a reward to faith, too. That just comes up in my heart. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's a reward to faith. There's a reward to action. But the word is so clear about not being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. There is absolutely, church, no room for compromise. Too many people allow themselves to be self-deceived and they step outside of those boundaries looking for provision and they think, oh, but they're a really great person and they have a great personality and they have a really good job. (laughs) They drive a nice car. They've got it together. They've got a bank account. They have a savings account. Those are not the criteria to build a life upon. You've got to be equally yoked together with believers who believe like you do, who know God like you do, who hunger for God like you hunger for God. Amen? So now we will begin to see some of the feats of strength that began to operate in Samson's life. Samson's family was actually on their way to his wedding. And a young lion came and jumped out and began to attack him. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And that supernatural strength enabled him and empowered him to tear that lion into pieces. Samson lived with his wife for a few days after he was married. So that was the first feat of strength that we can see in the word. But he went on, was married, he lived with his wife for a few days. And he began, he got married, he got angry at her because she ran off. And he uh, he took off, I'm sorry, he got angry and he took off. I'm trying to condense this a little bit because it's getting a little long. But he was upset. Now, you know that that is the flesh, when that anger rises up to the point he's been married a couple of days yeah, <laughs> and he decides to take off because he's so upset with her. Some things that happened. He got upset with her. He took off. And so what happened was his, her, her father decided that he was going to give her to Samson's best man. Hey, Samson took off. I'm, you know, that's what pagans did. We'll just give her to the best man. The best man wasn't an Israelite. The best man was actually a pagan man. He didn't have anybody surrounding him, remember? Not one person to support him. So he had to have a pagan man stand up for him as his best man at his wedding. And this best man took his wife. Well, that angered him even more. So he came back and he decided he was going to catch himself some foxes. He caught not just one fox, not just two, not just 20, not just 50, not just 100. He caught 300 foxes by the tail. He took them and tied them up in pairs. Then he took a torch and put the torch to the pair of each fox. He lit it on fire and let those foxes loose. And guess what they did? They ran out and they burned down all the crops of the Philistines. Their grains, their stalks, their olives, their grapes, their vineyards, everything was burnt up. Now what's interesting about that is during that time, these pagan worshippers would worship the god of Dagog, I believe is his name. Dagog. And he was the god of the grain. He was the god of the crops. He was the God of fertility. So really what Samson was doing was mocking this God by destroying the crops with fire. And so, let's see where we're at now. The Philistines retaliated. And they went up and they killed his wife. They killed the wife's father. And they did it by setting them on fire. So Samson again was enraged. And he went out and he attacked them and he slaughtered so many of them. Again, the cycle continues. The late, this time, this led the Philistines to go up to the camp of Judah and demand Israel to stop him. Or they would suffer further um, oppression. That they, they threatened them that they would crush them. You've got to do something about Samson. And you've got to do it now. And so we see that um, it took like 3,000 of Judah's men to go up to Samson and try to persuade him to turn himself in to the Philistines. They said, don't you realize what you've done to us? And he said, well, I did to them like they did to me. You know, vengeance is the Lord's. And we got to leave it in his hands. Because if we don't, there's a cycle that continues a cycle of bitterness, a cycle of anger, a cycle of retaliation. We see that in gangs today, don't we? It's that same spirit that operated there. Spirits don't die, they just travel and find new homes. And so that same spirit that operated there, we don't want that to operate. We've got to take authority over it. So moving on here, it says that, you know, uh, he, they persuaded him to turn himself in. They say, we're going to wrap you up with ropes, but we won't kill you. And he said, okay, as long as you don't kill me, I'll go along with it. So they bound him up with new ropes and they took him to the Philistines. And as they brought him up to the Philistines, there the Philistines were shouting and they were excited. They had Samson and he was bound up and that was their enemy. But guess what happened? The Spirit of the Lord came down upon Samson. And I'm telling you what, those ropes disintegrated on his body. And he took, he was, he was, uh, you know, he is really angry at this point. He took the jawbone of a, a fresh jawbone of a donkey. And he took that jawbone and he slew 1,000 men. That's the strength of the anointing that rested upon his life. That's supernatural power. That's supernatural strength. So. This brings us to Samson's second encounter with a woman. And this woman was a prostitute. We look in Judges chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. It says One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute and he went in to spend the night with her. And the people of Gaza told uh, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gates. They made no move during the night, saying, At dawn, we're going to kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up, and he took hold of the doors of the city gates, and together with the two posts, he tore them loose, bar and all, and he lifted them up, he put them upon his shoulders, and he carried them up the hill to Hebron. He didn't go down the hill, which would be easier. He went up the hill. And he threw them down. Another feat of strength. And so, moving on to Samson's third encounter with a woman, which is the most familiar to us of all. Do you remember her name? What was it? Delilah. Delilah. She's the only one who had her name recorded. She was a worshiper of Dagon. That, again, was the Philistine god. And... Um, she, she was a prostitute. She didn't mind giving up her, her body, but she would not give up her soul. And so when the Philistines came to her, they persuaded her to um, find out what is the secret of Samson's strength. So let's pick it up at verse 4. It says, afterwards it happened that he, Samson, loved a woman in the valley of Shorak. notice it says he loved her you don't love somebody with just your soul do you you love them with your heart whose name was Delilah and the lords of the philistine came up to her and said entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. And so Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me, please tell me, what is your great strength? Where does it lie? And with you, that you uh, what, uh, and what, with what you may be bound to afflict you, I mean, really? Is he going to tell her? Samson said to her, If they buy me with seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried, then I shall become weak and like all other men. So the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings not yet dried, and she bound them with them. And then the men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and said to her, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he broke the bow strings as a strand of yarn breaks when it's torched by fire. And so the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you've mocked me. That you have never been used, that I, you have, uh, if if they bind me securely with new ropes, he says, and that that, that have never been used, I shall become weak like any other man. Therefore Delilah took new robes and bound him with them and said to him the Philistines are upon you Samson and men were lying in wait staying in the room but he broke them off his arm like a thread so Delilah said to Samson until now you have mocked me and told me lies tell me what you may be bound with and he said to her if you weave seven locks of my hair into into the web of my loom Are you kidding me? I mean, uh, they say love is blind. Is lust blind? I mean, really? She keeps on asking him. She keeps on trying to uh, turn him over to the hands of the Philistines, but he keeps on telling her. I mean, is that stupid or what? So she wove it tightly, and of course, that didn't do the trick. Of course, he woke up. The same thing occurred, and now she's saying, Wait a minute, Samson. You don't love me. If you loved me, you would tell me. You wouldn't mock me. You would tell me the secret of your great strength. Where does it lie? And she began to badger him. She began to every day distress him with her words, pressing him so much that his soul was vexed to death. I mean, that's really putting it on somebody. That's pressure right there. So, when Delilah saw, uh, let's see, see, verse 16, and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her something. This is the part I want you to get. What did he tell her? He told her all his heart. And he said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head for I am a Nazarite, to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and like any other man. So when Delilah saw that he had told her, what? All his heart. What did he do right there, church? He gave his heart away. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and bought, brought the money in her hand. Then she lured him into sleep on her knees and called for a man that had shaved off the seven locks of his head. And she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he woke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not realize that the Lord had departed from him. You see, it was not his hair that gave Samson his strength. It was his heart. And he gave his heart away and he broke covenant with God. And at that time that he gave his heart away, the anointing, the grace of God, the power of God, lifted from his life the Philistines took him and put his eyes out and brought him down to Giza they bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison remember before he was burning their grain by the power of God but now he's grinding their grain it was his eyes that first led him astray The things that tempt you when you're young, they'll kill you when you're older. You've got to take uh, authority over those things. You've got to not give place to those things. You've got to protect the gates to your heart, your eye gates, your ear gates, your mouth. You've got to see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. We can see that Samson's strength, again, was in his heart. And when he gave his whole heart away, again, he lost the anointing. Proverbs 4 says, to protect your heart with all what? Diligence. Diligence. Why? Because out of your heart come the forces of life. And that life that was coming out of Samson's life was no longer there. He was a national leader, and he went from a national leader to a slave in Gaza. Well, the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice that they had finally captured Samson. And they began to say, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God is delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. And so it happened, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may perform for us like a puppet, you know? So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. And they stationed him between two pillars. And Samson said to a young lad who held his hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean upon them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. About 3,000 men and women were on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, What did he do? He called to the Lord. Is God merciful? He is so merciful. And he is so faithful. And even when you miss it, I'm telling you the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And so God heard his call. He heard his cry. As he said, Oh Lord, remember, I pray and strengthen me. I pray just this watch, O God, that I may with your bow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on the right, the other on the left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell. On the Lord's and all the people who were in it, and so the dead that he killed at his death were more than he killed in his life. He used the anointing on his life primarily to take revenge, he used the anointing on his life for self purposes. He used the anointing on his life for his own pleasures. You know, we see that today, especially in the entertainment business. People taking gifts and talents that God has given to them. I remember one time Pastor Kimberly saying to me that your voice belongs to God. And people lend it to a spirit of the world. These things should not be. Amen? So, praise God. God is merciful. And he came through for Samson at the end. And the Philistines did um, suffer loss. And so he did fulfill a part of his destiny. But just think of what he could have accomplished. If he had given his heart to the Lord in the vows that he made... You know, and just yet another story in Second Chronicles chapter 25, there was a king in Israel whose name was Amehazara, And he did that which was right also in the sight of the Lord, but he didn't do it with a perfect heart. And I'm bringing this out because I wanted to bring this a little bit clearer to you. The word perfect in the Hebrew is shalim. And it means complete or full. Most of uh, Amaya Zara's heart was, was with God, but see, he took a little portion of it, you know, just a little secret place of that heart, and he, he kept it for himself. He ended up being defeated in life. But we can learn from these two people that we cannot afford to leave a little portion, a little secret place of our heart that we don't give wholly to God. You know, could it be that that many that struggle in Christian life today, could it be traced to the same issue? That people hold back a little portion of their heart and don't give their whole heart to God? Why do they do that? Well, they're either afraid to, or they think they're going to lose something. But see, Jesus said, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So it's important to take heed to these things and to examine our own hearts. In Psalms 139, verses 23 to 24, it says, Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, reveal it to me. Sometimes we don't know secret places until the Holy Ghost shines a light on it. He says, hey, you need to make a correction here. You need to make an adjustment there. Hey, that's sin. God doesn't call it a problem, does he? He calls it what it is. Psalms 19, verse 12 says, Cleanse me from my secret faults. You know, we just see the importance of holiness in the hour that we live in. God needs your whole heart, your whole life to be consecrated to him. Will you surrender all? Will you surrender every kingdom of your heart to him? If you do, he'll empower you with grace. Grace that you cannot even imagine that will help you to overcome Whatever it is that's in that secret place, many things lie there. Many things speak to you from that little portion of that secret place. But you can close the door on it by making a choice to do so. God will resist the proud, but when you humble yourself and say, Lord, I need help. He will come in like a rushing mighty wind and He will help you and empower you by His Spirit to overcome. God will reveal and show you the fragmented places in your heart that are not His. The sin that we cover, the Holy Ghost will uncover as you surrender your heart to Him. We've got to learn from Samson's example and don't live our life with feats of strength for just a moment's time, whereby forsaking the power of God resting upon you for your destiny. Say this with me I have a destiny. I have a destiny. Oh, I have a, purpose. I have a purpose. Actually, there's purposes. And as you step into one and you fulfill it, God opens the door for the next. He's a perpetual God and He's a creator. And He will use you in diverse ways as much as you qualify, as much as you're faithful, as much as you're proven. He increases the anointing upon your life. Oh, Isn't it awesome to flow in his anointing? To have it resting upon your life. Empowering you to do what you cannot do in and of yourself. With your own hand. With the arm of your flesh. Oh, how awesome it is to work with heaven. To work for heaven in this hour. I want to challenge you to take the limits off of whatever you think that you can do and ask God to reveal to you what he wants for your life. Because he will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or even think or even imagine. You'll turn around next uh, year at this time. You'll say, "Oh my goodness, right. look what right. the Lord has done!" Right. And you'll know it's Him because there's no way you could have did it. Right. Right. And you'll be at another level, right. and you'll be at another place, right. and you'll have increase, and you'll go and you will send to another place. Yeah. Right. It's glorious. There's nothing like it. There ain't no high like the most high. There ain't no high like the anointing of God operating in your life, flowing through you, bringing life to others, helping others. Amen? Do you want to do it? Well, there's a price. You got to surrender all. Amen? So stand up on your feet. Lord, we're going to make a commitment to you tonight. As you're standing, if you're here and you've never received Jesus as your your Savior, that is the first place that you must start. If you're here and Jesus is not your Savior, you have not asked Him to come into your life and receive Him as your Savior, raise your hand, please. I just want to pray with you before we go any further. Praise God. Thank you for raising your hand. Anyone else? So we're going to pray that prayer right now. And if you are here and you have never prayed this prayer, I want you to pray it with us. I want you to pray it boldly. So let's pray. Pray it from your heart. Don't make a vow like Samson did with his mouth. Pray it from your heart. And God will come into your heart. And he will change your life. So pray this with me. Dear God. I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus, and I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me. He shed his blood to pay the price for my sin. Jesus, I receive you now as my savior, and I thank you for forgiving me and for saving me. Praise the Lord. Now, God, by His Spirit, just came into your heart. And when God comes into your heart, you are changed. Glory to God. Now, the next step is to receive Him as your Lord. where well, you make Him the Lord of your life? So that you say, Lord, it's not my will... Not my choices I want to live by, but yours. So everybody, let's pray this prayer from our hearts as a vow to God. you got to pray it from your heart. And expect a change. So with, with every eye closed, I want you just to search your heart right now. And say, Lord, there's this, this portion if there is, that I haven't given to you. And Lord, maybe there's a portion I don't even know about. Reveal it to me. But I want my whole heart to be given to you. So pray this. Lord, Lord, I thank you you. that you are my Savior. savior. And And I make you now the Lord, Lord of, my life. of my life I ask you, I ask you to, sit, to sit, sit upon the center, upon the center of, the of, of the throne of my heart and I will hear and I will, hear, and I will, obey, and I will obey and I will walk with you, and walk each, with you. And each and every day and I expect, and I expect my, life my life to be used, to be used my, my destiny, destiny my to destiny. be great Because you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And you'll do great and mighty things. You'll do exploits. Because I believe you for it. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Glory to God. You may be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. Ooh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for moving by your spirit, Lord, and helping us and even speaking to us. Even when we're, our heads are upon our pillow tonight, Lord, that you speak to our hearts about changes, about things to take on and things to take off. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.